Could investigators find anyone who ever saw Cindy that night? After she went missing, there was no evidence anywhere to indicate where she had gone. We had no idea. She would never run away. You couldn't pry her away from home. I knew something was wrong. It was a feeling of just being helpless, not knowing what to do. When you have a daughter who's missing, you're desperate to find out where she was. As a parent, there's always going to be a sliver of hope. But at some point, you realize they're not coming back. What did the young victims report had happened to them? The girls were going to a party, and three guys pulled up in a Trans Am. They kidnapped the two girls and drove them to a cabin where they tied them up. They were raped and tortured there over about a day and a half. He ordered the two other guys to dig holes for their graves, and he produced five rib bones to show them. He said that the remains were from the last girl that he had murdered. I'm Paula Zahn, and tonight we're on the case in Glendora, California, a small city just west of San Bernardino. It was here in this peaceful and tight-knit community that 18-year-old Cindy Hernandez mysteriously vanished into the night. Police found little evidence to follow, and their investigation quickly stalled, leaving her heartbroken family wondering if they would ever know the truth behind Cindy's disappearance. Friday, August 27, 1976. It was just before 7 on a warm California morning when Glendora police got a frantic phone call. Gloria Densham said that her 18-year-old daughter, Cindy, had not come home after a night out at the movies. Did Cindy's mom convey just how concerned she was. Yes, yeah, she did. And they knew there was something wrong. She would always be home at the proper time. Gloria told police she had first become alarmed at 5.30 that morning when she awakened to go to work. Cindy's bed was not slept in and her car was not in the driveway. What were Cindy's plans for the night? Well, she wanted to see this show, The Almond. And it was kind of late to go out. And I said, are you sure you want to go see this movie? Yeah, Mom, I'm 18. And I'm an adult. As Gloria nervously called the rest of Cindy's friends, her husband, Tom, drove to the movie theater hoping to find a clue. What he found was troubling. We're in the parking lot of the old Fox Theater. This is where Cindy's car was found the morning after she came to the theater. Tom Densham arrived to find her car parked in a parking stall backed up, which is very unusual. Cindy would have never backed into a parking spot. She didn't like to drive backwards. 
Based on Gloria's statements, police believed it was possible Cindy had not been alone when the car was parked. Investigators found the position of the car suspicious for a different reason, especially after they learned the theater Cindy had been going to was only half full. What did that suggest to you? Her car's down in the parking lot, furthest from the theater, which in itself is unusual because there's ample parking space. So those things started mounting into some concern. But when officers carefully analyzed the car, they found no evidence of foul play inside. The doors had been locked, and it appeared that Cindy had taken her purse with her. If there had been a struggle in the car, there would have been something amiss, and there was nothing. Everything was just nice and neat. Detectives began to consider the possibility that Cindy might have taken off on her own and made up the story about going to the movies to cover her tracks. The police had it in mindset that she was a runaway. And I told them, I said, you don't think I know my daughter? She would never run away. You couldn't pry her away from home. Officer spoke with all the employees at the movie theater to see if anyone could remember seeing the teenager that night. Could investigators find anyone who ever saw Cindy inside the theater that night? There was no employees that could verify that she was in that theater that night. Investigators still had little reason to believe that Cindy had been the victim of a crime. You've got to admit that you're really starting with nothing. True, very true, yeah. We had no idea. After she went missing, there was no evidence anywhere to indicate where she had gone to. But Cindy's mother was certain there was only one explanation why the reliable and loving teenager hadn't come home. I called my mom immediately and we both started crying because we knew something was wrong. The next day, detectives got their first tip that Cindy's family might be right. A movie patron came forward with a chilling story. She had seen a man who appeared to be prowling the parking lot, suspiciously ducking down behind cars. Had Cindy been abducted by a stalker? Or could it have been someone who knew her plans for that night?
Police investigating the mysterious disappearance of 18-year-old Cindy Hernandez had few leads to follow. The only physical evidence they had, the teenager's abandoned car, seemed to indicate that Cindy had met with foul play in the movie theater's parking lot. And as the long hours passed with no news about the teenager, her family braced themselves for the worst. Gloria Densham couldn't shake the desperate feeling that something terrible had happened to her daughter. Ever since Cindy was an infant, the mother and daughter shared a very special bond. She was mama's girl from the time she was born. Even as a teenager, Cindy's world still revolved around her home life. How important was family to Cindy? It was very important. She loved family dinners. She loved people coming over to visit. Anything that Cindy did, she did with her whole heart. By the time she graduated from high school, Cindy had become an accomplished singer and had just been offered a spot in a prestigious choir. She was very good. She sang in the acapella choir and been accepted with the Citrus Chamber Singers. Cindy was also in love. She and her boyfriend, Dave, had been dating almost a year. But investigators wondered if he had played a role in Cindy's disappearance. What did Cindy's boyfriend tell police about that night? Well, she called him to go to the movies that night. Uh, he wasn't feeling well and couldn't make it. Police questioned Dave for hours. You have to corroborate his story. If there's any variation in what he's telling you, then, of course, he becomes a potential suspect. And detectives found several reasons to be skeptical of his alibi. Isn't it true that Cindy and Dave had a rocky patch in the relationship? And, and that raised some red flags. That did. Cindy and Dave had some issues in their relationship. For about a week, week and a half there, they weren't on speaking terms. Dave claimed that the couple had already worked through their differences, and he would have never done anything to hurt Cindy. Did the police ever ask you directly if you had anything to do with Cindy's disappearance? Yes, they did. Yes. How did you answer them? I told them no. I told them hell no. I told them many times I was in love with her. Still, detectives remained suspicious until they were able to confirm the details of Dave's alibi. Dave being sick at work, Dave going home and not being able to go to the movies, all checked out. Yeah. And that was verified by talking to his roommate and co-workers. He was not feeling well at work. He came home, took some medication, fell asleep. Once Dave was cleared as a suspect, he became a valuable resource. 
he told police the details of his final conversation with Cindy. She had called me. She said, well, I've just finished doing some running, and uh, I'm thinking about going to the show tonight. And I said, okay, all right, well, enjoy yourself, and I'll see you tomorrow. And those were my last words with her. Love you. Goodbye. Dave told authorities he never heard from Cindy again. Were you worried about her going to the movie alone? No. She was a very strong-willed person, and when she made up her mind to do something, she did it. Dave and Cindy's family posted flyers and followed the thinnest of leads, hoping to find the missing teenager. I had no inkling of what to do. I mean, when you have a daughter who's missing, you're desperate, you know, to find out what happened to my baby and find out where she was. It was a feeling of just being helpless, not knowing what to do. As the weeks passed, law enforcement in Glendora also began to feel like they were running out of options. Describe to me where this case was, even just a couple months after Cindy's disappearance. Investigators at that time, they were still working to try to find where she could be still doing interviews, and there was no evidence to tie anybody to her disappearance. So would you say at that point the case came to a screeching halt, as hard as police were trying? There was really no other avenue to search? There was none. In fact, it would take 20 long years before police got their next big break in the case. The investigation into the disappearance of 18-year-old Cindy Hernandez had stalled just a few months after the teenager's abandoned car was discovered in a movie theater parking lot. Cindy's heartbroken family had begun to accept the possibility that they might never know what really happened to her. But then, nearly two decades later, a chilling tip revived everyone's hopes for justice. It was 1993, nearly 20 years after Cindy Hernandez disappeared, when police received a law enforcement bulletin that would reignite her cold case. Glendora Police received a communication from Eugene, Oregon, indicating they had a person in custody by the name Manuel Cortez. Cortez, a suspected serial killer, had been serving a life sentence for a double homicide in Oregon. When he bragged to investigators about his other victims. When Glendora police read the bulletin, they pulled his criminal history. Investigators noticed that Cortez had committed several violent crimes in the area, both before and after Cindy's disappearance. Cortez had uh, kidnapped and raped a teenage girl in a community just south of where Cindy was last seen. And in October of that same year, he was arrested for attempted kidnapping of a, a teenage girl. 
Detectives saw a disturbing pattern. It appeared that Cortez had been choosing victims along the same stretch of road where Cindy had vanished. He traveled up Highway 39 or Azusa Avenue quite often, and the theater that Cindy went to was on Highway 39, so he quickly became a person of interest. Investigators hope the convicted killer might reveal the truth about Cindy from behind bars in Oregon. Cortez agreed to meet to discuss Cindy's case. Cortez readily admitted to many crimes, but the savage predator denied any role in the Cindy Hernandez case. Did they ever find any evidence linking him to her? They never found any evidence linking Cortez to Cindy's disappearance. Without a confession from Cortez, detectives were forced to move on. The investigation was once again at a standstill. And it stayed that way until Detective Marty Amaro of the Glendora Police picked up the case file in 2014. What made your department reopen the Cindy Hernandez case? Gloria made it personal for me to want to try to help her. Cindy's mother told Detective Amaro that it had been more than 30 years since she had given up hope of finding Cindy alive. Instead, she wanted him to bring an end to a different kind of misery. She shared with me, the only thing that I want, Marty, is to be able to give my daughter a proper burial. That's all I really want. The nature of Gloria's request and the depth of her pain had a tremendous impact on Detective Amaro. In that moment, he made an emotional pledge to find Cindy. What was the promise Marty Amaro made to you? He said, I vow not to retire until I get you some closure. But Detective Amaro knew that keeping that promise wouldn't be easy. In fact, it would require some unconventional tactics. So how did you think it would be possible to solve the case? DNA was going to be our biggest advocate in this whole thing. But there was a problem. Police didn't have a sample of Cindy's DNA for testing. Detective Amaro turned to her family for help. They took my DNA. They took my younger daughter, Delessa's DNA. Authorities created a DNA profile of Cindy's relatives. Detective Amaro hoped it would be a match to an unidentified victim in the state or national database. He sent it to Sacramento and he said, I want you to test this against every corpse that's been found since August 1976. In your heart of hearts, did you really think you would ever find any of Cindy's remains? This is our only hope to find Cindy. Then, nearly four decades after Cindy went missing, a DNA match to a Jane Doe revealed the painful truth. Who called you? The coroner for San Bernardino County said, I have your daughter's remains. Cindy's mother was both heartbroken and relieved. 
You have nightmares when you don't know what's happened. Knowing is better than not knowing. Although the answer was a confirmation that her daughter was dead, Gloria was grateful to Detective Amaro, a man who had somehow managed to keep an unlikely promise. Detective Amaro didn't know about the test results when he played an emotional voicemail from Cindy's mother. It remains one of the highlights of his law enforcement career. Hi, Marty, this is Gloria. You can retire now. They found Cindy's remains. And I didn't catch the remainder of the message because I kind of just stopped and realized that our efforts paid off. But the discovery of Cindy's remains also provided Gloria with a new mission. Cindy was a child of God. She believed in God very, very strongly. It would be important to find the person who killed her, to get justice. And when investigators discovered the details of how Cindy's remains had originally been found, her cold case suddenly turned red hot. It had been a case many believed would never be solved. Then, after nearly 40 years, the investigation into the disappearance of Cindy Hernandez had been closed in the worst way possible. Law enforcement in San Bernardino had matched her family's DNA to the skeletal remains of a Jane Doe that had been in their evidence locker for decades. And the shocking story of how police found those bones would only deepen the mystery. The DNA hit that connected Cindy Hernandez to unidentified remains in San Bernardino allowed detectives there to reopen one of their oldest and most disturbing cold cases. The investigation had begun back in 1977, 15 months after Cindy disappeared, with a call from two terrified survivors of a brutal kidnapping and sexual assault. What did the young victims report had happened to them? The girls were going to a party, and three guys pulled up in a Trans Am. These girls saw three young-looking guys in a nice car, so they started talking to them. And the next thing you know, they got in the car, thinking they were going to a party. But the three men had far more sinister plans. The young women were kidnapped and taken to a cabin in the woods 60 miles away. When they got to the cabin, they were raped and tortured there over about a day and a half. After the brutal assault, the young women then overheard the ringleader telling his two accomplices that their victims had to be killed. 
he did not want to have a witness pointing a finger at him. When the ringleader left the cabin to get a shovel, the two accomplices nervously discussed their options. They were kind of having second thoughts about killing the girls. Moments later, the third man returned to the cabin and placed five human rib bones on the kitchen table. He said that the remains were from the last girl that he had murdered, a Mexican girl. He showed the bones to them to let them know he'd actually done this before. The terrifying display appeared to remove any hope the accomplices had of sparing the lives of the teenage girls tied up in the cabin. They felt like they had to go long at that point. They started digging a shallow grave. But then one of the accomplices managed to find a way to at least delay the murders. One of them made up a story that a hunter had driven by and seen them digging the hole and that they should abandon this plan because there's no way they would get away with it. Fearing the hunters would report what they had seen, the young women were transported back to the Glendora area. Over the next few days, the teenagers slowly befriended two of their captors and managed to convince them that they would not go to police if they were released. Their plan worked. They let them go about a block away from one of their houses. The girls ran home and told the authorities what happened. County police quickly identified and arrested all three men. Larry Allred, John Wettelings, and James White were all charged in the crime. During the teenagers' horrifying account of the attack, they mentioned the chilling detail about the rib bones in the cabin. At the time, investigators wondered if one of the three men had also been involved in a murder, or whether he had used animal bones to intimidate the girls and his accomplices. Police obtained the address of the cabin and contacted law enforcement in the area to investigate. The captain of the Twin Peaks station, Captain Ringhofer, went out with some detectives and they found the location. Ringhofer's team was unable to find an area where her body had been unearthed. They were about to give up when Ringhofer studied the perimeter of the cabin itself. I'm looking around, and I see an area that probably no one's been under. I crawled underneath it, and I found five small rib bones, which I believe to be human bones. Back in 1977, the bones were taken to the San Bernardino coroner's office, where they were positively identified as human bones. 
what could anybody on an investigative team do with these bones? There was no DNA yet, so they had anthropologists examine the bones. They determined that the five rib bones belonged to a female. But the experts couldn't find evidence that they were the remains of a murder victim. Investigators explored the possibility that the bones were connected to one of the dozens of unsolved missing person cases across the state. Did Cindy's case come up? Cindy's case did come up. It was in the pool that they were looking in, but that was a pretty extensive pool. For nearly 40 years, police had not been able to connect the remains to any open case, nor link them to any unsolved crimes. But now, the DNA hit that identified Cindy Hernandez as the victim had also put detectives on the trail of her killer. The disturbing disappearance of Cindy Hernandez had tormented her family for decades. But then, modern DNA testing revealed the heartbreaking truth. It was her remains that had been scattered beneath a cabin in the woods. And the story of two brave rape survivors had finally put investigators on the trail of Cindy's killer, almost 40 years after the crime. As police read the details of the 1977 kidnapping case, it quickly became obvious which of the three men was their prime suspect in the murder of Cindy Hernandez. 60-year-old Larry Ulrich. His family owned the cabin, and the two survivors had identified him as the ringleader who had wanted them dead. And there was more. What did you end up learning about Larry Allred? That he began committing crimes at a very young age. He was a serial rapist, and he was fascinated with bondage. Detectives searching for Larry Allred didn't have to look far. It turned out that the 60-year-old felon was already back in prison for an unrelated crime. Investigators hope they could get Allred to reveal the truth about Cindy. I was able to read old interviews with Allred, old interrogations, and I saw a pattern in Allred that once he believed that all the cards were stacked against him, that he would actually then confess. So I had to create an environment for him that he believed that there was just no way out. Detective Trossel set up a jailhouse interview with Allred under the pretense that the career criminal would be helping law enforcement understand the mind of a sex offender. Allred agreed to discuss in detail the how and why of all his past crimes, including the sexual assault on the two young women at his family's cabin. Did he actually admit to the viciousness of the crimes committed against those two women? 
Yes. He knew that those cases were past him and we couldn't do anything to him. So he openly admitted to what he had done. Did he admit his plan was to kill them? Yes, he did. He admitted that that was his plan. Somewhere along the line, it was probably me brought up, you know, we need to kill these girls. And we actually dug a hole. Allred seemed to enjoy talking about his role in the crime. Until... Detective Trossel showed him photos of the human rib bones he had displayed at the cabin. This right here is the rib bone uh, found. Okay. So is it something that you just forgot? Is it something that, can you tell me about the ribs? No, not at all. He wanted to downplay that they were just some bones that he had found. He wanted to distance himself from that. Then, Trossel mentioned the name Cindy Hernandez. He told us he didn't know her. He repeatedly told us that he had nothing to do with her or her disappearance. Detective Trossel turned up the pressure, telling Allred that DNA testing had revealed that the bones he had left under the cabin had been Cindy's. What was his reaction? He was very concerned. Allred then became emotional and began to make cryptic and seemingly incriminating remarks. He would make statements like, yeah, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison. Tell the victim's family that the guy that you have is going to die in prison for this. Did you get the sense that you were moving towards a confession? I did, but he would never come out right and say, yes, I killed Cindy Hernandez. Police were confident Larry Allred had, in fact, murdered Cindy Hernandez. But they still believed it would take a confession to convince a jury of that. Were you frustrated? Very. We do these cases for the victim's families. And uh, I felt like we kind of failed the family at that point. I really wanted the confession. It's tough. It's tough. The next interrogation of Larry Allred was done by Detective Patty Ruiz, following an unusual conversation she had with Allred's brothers and sisters. Normally, a suspect's family is not so willing to cooperate, but they shared with me that they had a letter that Larry wrote to them, talking about, I'm so glad our mother's not here to see this. Detective Ruiz believed that the letter might hold the key to cracking Allred. When she sat down with him, she focused on the reasons why he should confess. I said, what are you struggling with, Larry, that's keeping you from just telling us the truth? You owe it to the victim's family. You owe it to the victim. 
Allred simply stared at Ruiz in silence as she talked about Cindy and her family. But his demeanor changed when the detective played him a recorded message from his own siblings, begging him to tell the truth. One of his brothers says, in tears, please stop doing this to us. Please stop putting the family through this. After those words, Larry Allred broke down and confessed to the murder of Cindy Hernandez. What is the story Allred finally told? He ultimately said he had never met Cindy before, but he had seen her driving, and he decided to follow her. And sure enough, she pulled into a parking lot, which was one of his hunting grounds. Armed with a knife, Allred snuck up on Cindy. And as he tried to force her into his vehicle, a struggle ensued. She was cooperating in the beginning, and then I put the knife down to tie her hands, and she grabbed it. And we struggled. I got the knife back, and uh, I panicked and, and strangled her. Allred revealed that he had backed Cindy's car into the parking spot where it was found, but he had no explanation as to why. He claimed that after the attack, he drove Cindy's body to his family's cabin in his own car. He drove her up to the mountains to bury her. Do you believe that account he told? I believe he told most of the story. However, I still think things are missing. What do you think's missing? I think he sexually assaulted her. And he's never admitted that? He's never admitted it. At the end of the interrogation, Larry Allred offered to show them the location where he had buried Cindy. Did you actually walk the property with him? I did. Which had to be surreal. It was surreal. He was very talkative. He remembered the area very well. We walked around the forest for probably three hours. Ultimately, he stood in a spot, he sat on a tree stump and looked up at a tree that had mistletoe on it and started crying. He said, this is it. Investigators extensively searched the area, but were unable to recover any additional evidence. We did a search of that specific area, and then the property around the cabin did not find anything. Allred was arrested and charged with the murder of Cindy Hernandez. On September 16th, 2016, he pled guilty to the crime. His confession 
did little to cool the rage Cindy's mother had burning inside of her. Can you describe the first time you came face to face with Larry Allred? I wanted to strangle him. I wanted to show him how it felt to have the breast strangled out of him. I really did. He's a very self-centered person. No one else exists except him. Larry Allred was sentenced to life in prison. But based on the laws at the time of the murder, Allred will actually be eligible for parole in just seven years. Are you outraged I about the possibility? I'm outraged, and I'm going to be at that hearing because he should never be let out of jail. He's just an evil person. After the court proceedings were all over, Gloria was finally able to bring her daughter home. Tell us about the moment that Cindy's bones were returned to her family. It was a really touching moment, a moment I'll never forget. In December of 2016, 40 years after she was murdered, Cindy Hernandez was laid to rest. What do you think about when it comes to your memories of Cindy? I can remember the happy times with Cindy. And those are extremely painful because they're sweet memories. Still, Gloria finds comfort in the fact that she kept the promise she made to her daughter all those years ago. Me and my husband go down there and just sit in the garden and pray with him. And it's a peaceful time because she's home where she belongs. District Attorney Denise Yoakum had a very personal connection to the case. She had actually attended the same high school as Cindy. To honor her memory, Denise and her colleagues created a scholarship to be awarded in Cindy's name. For more information about donations, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash official. Thanks so much for watching. I'm Paula Zahn. Please join us again next time when we're back on The Case.